Smith, whom uh, we've mentioned uh, the last few weeks, who we baptized at Cummins Prison, and he has uh, went up before the parole board, and he is going to be paroled in February. And so uh, we're now trying to help him identify a local congregation to the area that he's going to be moving to. So we want to ask you to keep praying for Travis as he is awaiting this transition. And again, as he is uh, in this new uh, newness of his uh, walk in Christ, and so remembering him and praying for him and that he can surround himself by people that will help him to continue to mature in the faith and uh, become a great servant in God's kingdom. Well, I am excited to begin a, a new series with you today, as Stephen mentioned earlier, in the book of Acts. And so it's the fifth section of your New Testament there, right after John, and we call it uh, Acts of the Apostles. That's kind of what's been uh, attached to it, but in fact, it's, it's a letter, most agree, uh, written by Luke, who is credited with uh, also the third gospel that's identified by his name. And so uh, we're going to just jump right in this morning and uh, into this. And so chapter 1 and beginning in verse 1, says, in the first book, O Theophilus, Okay, don't jump too far. So I guess I got to stop here just a second because some of you perhaps have not read through uh, the book of Acts, and so maybe you're thinking, well, what, what what do you mean former book in the first book? What is this talking about? Well, Acts is the sequel to Luke, and so Luke writes his first uh, gospel, this good news of Jesus Christ here, and he's writing to someone named Theophilus, whom he calls in Luke most excellent. Theophilus, and as, as we see later on in Acts, that title is attached to, to someone who's kind of a, of a Roman official of some uh, high-standing uh, status in the community. So it appears that Luke is writing to a, a Roman official who wants to know more about Jesus. And so this is kind of a part two to his, his writing to him. And so he says in Luke, I've done my research, I've, I've, I've interviewed everybody, I've done my homework, and now I'm going to tell you about this Jesus. I'm going to tell you about this man. And so think about this. 30% of our New Testament is one man writing to one man about one man. That ought to be amazing to us, which ought to tell us too how important one person is to God and how this got included in our Bible. And so in the first book he says, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given the commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and the cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. One man writing to one man about one man. Because what Luke is doing in the book's of Acts 
is continuing the story of Jesus. This beautiful, wonderful, eternal story that He is laying out for this man and for us. And what does He say in verse 1? He says, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach. All that Jesus started, I've dealt with that. That was Luke. That was the, the first Gospel that he wrote there. And so the reason we have the book of Acts is because Luke says the story's not finished yet. It's not over yet. And we said, well, didn't Jesus say it is finished? That's what He said on the cross, wasn't it? Well, yes, His, his work on the cross was finished, but not His work in the world. It's still continuing. And so the Hebrews writer tells us that Jesus offered for all time this sacrifice, one sacrifice for sin. And so you cannot add to the saving work of Jesus. Nothing that we can do or accomplish adds to the salvation work that Jesus has already done. But many can still be added through the saving work of Jesus. And so this foundation of the church, this cornerstone as the Bible refers to the resurrected Jesus, is now ready to drop into the world. And so these ripples will spread to every corner of the earth. And proclaiming what, the, the, what has been happened by death is now made possible for eternity. And so Jesus thought the whole world needed to hear this story and to believe and live in response to what Luke put in volume 1, this life of Christ and His ministry on the earth. And so He says here, go tell people my story. Go and tell them to the ends of the earth. You tell them about me and what I have done and what I have promised. And so, so well, Jesus, so if I understand it right, people at the ends of the earth already have religions. They all have, they all have believed something. And don't you know that all religions are essentially the same and, you know, as all roads lead to heaven? I mean, that's kind of what I've understood. Well, apparently Jesus doesn't agree with that. And He knows other people have religions and other people have beliefs and He knows they serve other gods. And that's not a hindrance because He says, you go tell them about Me. I know what they think, but you go tell them the truth about Me. You will be My witnesses to the ends of the earth. And the reason this will work is because in the very first verse, Luke says, Jesus is still at work. And it's interesting, he never calls this writing the Acts of the Apostles. We've attached that to this section of, of, of Scripture over history to kind of identify Acts of the Apostles. Luke never calls it that because as far as he con he's concerned, this is just the continuing story of Jesus. I mean, we could very easily call this you know, the, the story of Jesus or the Acts of Jesus or the Acts of the Holy Spirit. A lot of titles could be attached to it. But the reality is, this is the story of Jesus as it continues in the world. And so this story of Jesus is not finished until you hear what Jesus is doing in the power of the Holy Spirit in the church, His body. But I don't like the church. Just talk to me about Jesus. Well, according to Luke, you don't know the whole story of Jesus unless you know and hear about the church. Because the church is how, in the power of the Spirit, Jesus is finishing the story. It's the Great Commission, the co mission. We are doing this with Jesus. And Christ is not merely outside of us. He's not merely a helper in a time of need. Jesus dwells in us, living in and with us all the time. And Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5 when he told us to examine yourselves, to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. 
Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Christ Jesus is where? In you. Unless, that is, you fail to meet the test. What test? The test of faith. If you don't have faith, then Christ is not in you. So he says, test yourself, because if you have faith, don't you know now that Jesus is in you? And so the reason this whole mission is doable is because to, to witness is, is to witness to Jesus' work and power in the Spirit. And that's through the church. And Jesus is not asking us to do something for Him. He's asking us to do something from Him. And so it's not what we do, but who we are. We are His witnesses even today as we go about our lives. And so this movement of witnesses creates these ripples that will reach the corners of the world. One Sunday a preacher was greeting everyone as they left the church building and he said to one man, he said, Brother, I, have, I haven't seen you in a while. And he was kind of trying to admonish him a little bit. He said, don't you know you're in the army of the Lord? And the man said, well, yes, preacher, I understand I am in the army of the Lord. And the preacher said, well, then why haven't you been assembling with the saints? And he said, well, I'm in the secret service. The branch I'm in, you know. But seriously, let me ask you a question. Are you really a Christian if no one knows that you're a Christian? Are you truly of Christ if no one finds out that you are of Christ? Based on what we just read in Scripture, are you a Christian? Are you Christ-like if no one ever finds out? And you've heard someone say, well, she's a Christian. But she doesn't rub it in everybody's face. And what they really mean by that is, well, it can mean a lot of things, but what we tend to mean by that is, well, they're a Christian, but, you know, they never really talk about it. And so we sometimes think that's a good thing. And I don't know, is that what this world needs? More Christians that nobody knows are Christians? I'm not sure. Based on what you read in Acts, can you be a Christian if nobody knows you're a Christian? And faith in Jesus is personal. But it cannot be private unless you are quenching the Holy Spirit of God. Because if the Spirit within you is unhindered, then your witness has to be unleashed. And so later we see the apostles brought before some religious authorities who are questioning them and trying to silence them and going about the, the town here and speaking about Jesus. You know, stop talking about this man, Jesus. And so, in Acts chapter 4 and verse 20, they say, look, you can do to us what you want, but we cannot. And I love that. We cannot. It's almost the essence of, I cannot exist. We cannot help but speak of what we have seen and heard. And see, that's what a witness does. I'm going to tell you what I saw and what I know. That's what it means to be a witness. And so Jesus is launching this global witness relocation program. And not once does He talk about that being impossible. Not one time does He talk about it being impossible. They don't have resources. They don't have the World Wide Web. They can't sit in their, at their desk or in a, in a room in their house and send a message to millions of people like that. They don't have that at their disposal. They don't have status. These first disciples don't have connections. Jesus says, go change the world. What are you thinking, Jesus? What are you thinking? You've likely never heard of George Danzig, but he has touched your life. He was a brilliant statistician whose discoveries have affected the airline industry, the shipping industry, the way businesses do a revenue projection. 
really impacted a lot of, of, of the way we do life today in these United States. And it started way back in college when a teacher in his stats class put up a couple of, un, a couple of problems on the board. One of those was unsolvable. Well, George, being a man after my own heart, shows up late to class. And so he comes in and he misses the whole introduction. He thinks it's homework. And so he writes the problems down and he goes home from class that evening and he spends all night working these problems and solves them. And he comes back to class the next day and his professor is blown away. George, do you realize what you've done? Nobody, this is, we have identified this as the unsolvable problem. And you have solved it. Why? How? No one told George it was impossible. He didn't get that planted in his head somehow. He didn't know any better. He just did it. Jesus never says, guys, I know this is impossible. He never says that. He says, guys, this is going to happen because I, through my Spirit, am going to empower it to happen. The world needs a Savior. And the Savior needs a church. And the church needs a witness. Someone to speak and to tell and proclaim in their lives. And that's us. That is us. Yeah, but I, I can't, you know. I just, I don't, um, I'm just a... Uh, can you say three things? I'm going to keep it simple this morning. Can you say three things? Can you say Jesus is risen? Can you say that sometime in your day? Jesus is risen. See, Jesus presented Himself to them and He gave many convincing proofs that He was alive. And these arguments for the resurrection are compelling and they're convicting and they're strong. But there's no better explanation for the missing body of Jesus. And they are still trying to find His body to this day. There is no better explanation than that Jesus is resurrected. He is risen and He is alive. And they didn't go into all the world willing to die to talk about a dead guy. Their courage was rock solid because they knew that the tomb was empty. That Jesus had risen. Their witness wasn't just about what Jesus did, but about what Jesus was now doing through them and through the church. And that is ours also. And so when we talk about Jesus, we don't just perpetuate His memory. Yes, we partake of the bread and this cup to proclaim His death. But the reason we proclaim His death is because He is no longer dead. He is risen and alive. And so we proclaim His death because it's so remarkable, not compared to all the other deaths. But yes, it is. Because not only did He die for us, He died for those who killed Him, but He rose again and is risen. Rock solid. And so when we talk about Jesus, it's not just about His memory. It's about His activity. It's about what He's doing now. We're going to talk about how the living Christ makes a difference in our lives. And how my marriage is stronger. And how the hold on my addiction is loosening. And how when I go through a tough time, I don't give up to despair. That's what I'm going to talk about. Why? How can I talk about this? Because the same power that conquered the grave lives in me. That's the proof of Scripture. So death does not have the last word. And you don't have to settle for mediocre about anything in your life. If Jesus is alive. So how can you hold your tongue? How can we hold our tongue 
if you know a man, the grave could not hold. And so Paul put it like this in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 13. The Scriptures say, I believed, so I spoke. Our faith is like that too. We believe, so we speak. What do we speak, Paul? That God raised the Lord Jesus from the dead. And we know that He will also raise us with Jesus. God will bring us together with you and we will stand before Him. Go tell the world, Jesus is risen. Can we say that? And the second thing, can we say Jesus is reigning? Jesus is reigning. Acts chapter 1 and verse 3, He presented Himself alive to them after His suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And throughout the Gospel record, this good news to Jesus. What's good to Jesus is the availability and the nearness of the kingdom of God. That was the good news that He proclaimed. That was His message. Not just Savior, but Sovereign. And not just saved out of, but saved into. So the good news is there's this reality called the kingdom of God where your life is now lined up with the purposes of God and where the abundant life that you were created for can now be realized because of Jesus Christ and where you can live your life with meaning and eternal purpose. And so Jesus says it's here and it's available and you can have it now. And they wouldn't stop talking about it. They couldn't stop talking about it. And so you get to the end of this writing. Acts chapter 28 and verse 23, and you read, From morning until evening, He explained things to them, testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. And so you have Paul here who, who is preaching to the, to, to, from morning until evening, and Jesus isn't just rescuing us from death. He's saving us from a wasted life. And so why do you want to spend all of your energy and all of your money and all of your time on a life that's just going to burn up? God has a better story for us. He gives us a life that matters for eternity. How can we have it? Lord, how can I have this? Well, He told us. Matthew records it in chapter 6 and verse 33. You seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And the world needs to know that you don't have to live your life in bondage to things that are eternally trivial. Just trivial. There's a better life in Jesus, a better story, because we can choose a better kingdom. And because Jesus is reigning, He can overcome and overrule anything that keeps us in bondage. George Schultz was the Secretary of State under President Reagan, and he was known to bring his ambassadors in before they were sent out to their assigned country. He would bring them in, and he had a globe in his office, and he would ask them, he would say, point to your country. He would show them the globe and say, point to your country. And one day he brought in Mike Mansfield, who was going to be sent to Japan, and he asked Mike, he said, point to your country. And Mike spun that globe around, and he pointed to the United States. And he said, this is my country. And see, in other words, Mike was like, you can send me anywhere in the world that you want to send me, but I know where my citizenship is. Do we? Do we know? See, I'm not an American who goes to church. I am a Christian who lives in America. And I know where my kingdom is. And one day, 
I'll spend the rest of eternity roaming the boundaries of that kingdom because Jesus is returning and people need to know that. They need to know. The disciples watched Jesus ascend into heaven and while they were gazing into heaven as He went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. And he said, they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven come in the same way as you saw Him go into heaven. And these disciples, they had seen healing. They would seen Jesus do this remarkable stuff with healing. They saw loaves and bread. They've seen water walking. But they hadn't seen that. And so it's almost like, come, cut them some slack. Can't they just like watch this for a minute? Because this blew their mind. Of everything He had done, they were still perplexed and amazed at what was going on. And why does this all matter here? It matters because what you believe about the future is shaping and determining how you live in the present. What you believe about tomorrow is shaping and determining how you live your life today. And so why do most people live ungodly lives? Why not? If this is all there is, why not live it up? Paul wrote to some other Christians in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 19. He says of that sort of thinking, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. They seek to, to satiate themselves with just things that are completely mortal and fleshly and of this world only. But our citizenship, you spin this globe and we're still going to point upward. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the world needs to hear that history is not just going in meaningless circles. We're not just wandering around aimlessly. We are headed to a very definite destiny. It's the triumph of Jesus Christ. And perhaps people need to hear this sooner than later. And early Christians lived in the future tense. When they would see each other, they, they would shout out a greeting, Maranatha! Which means, Lord, come quickly. And more than a greeting, it was a lifestyle. It's the way they lived. It gave their witness a boldness and an urgency to live as Christ had called them to live. When the trumpet sounds, what's going to last? When the clouds roll back and Christ descends in the clouds, what's going to last? What's going to be left? What on earth? will last into eternity. You know the answer? People. People will. Souls will. A Spirit-filled disciple wants a heaven filled with people. And so a Spirit-filled disciple doesn't spend their lives looking up at the sky. They spend their lives in opportunities. Talking about Jesus. And these moments of opportunity create this ripple effect. It's still moving throughout us today. So can you be a Christian if no one ever finds out? Dietrich Bonhoeffer was, exchange, was uh, in, 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 hanged in Germany. He was in prison and hanged in World War II Germany, namely for his beliefs. And one of the things he's recorded as saying is, there is no such thing as secret Christianity. For either the secrecy will destroy the Christianity or the Christianity will destroy the secret. Hmm. Turn with me to Acts chapter 29. This isn't projected, but I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 29. I'll give you a moment to get there. 
Acts chapter 29. figured out the problem yet? <laughs> there is no Acts chapter 29. There's no Acts chapter 29. But when you, when, you, when you read this, you kind of feel like there ought to be. You ought to feel like... I mean, look you know, with the last verse we read here in, in chapter 28 and verse 30. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his town and he proclaimed the kingdom of God and he, he taught about Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And it's like, Luke, why'd you stop? What's next? What's going on now? What happens to Paul? What happens to the apostles? What, but you know, why does this end so abruptly? What's going on? It's because Acts is not finished. It's not finished. But when you read it, you feel like there should be something else. Because there is. It's because the story of Jesus Christ at work in the church and the power of the Spirit is still getting told. The story is not finished. What Jesus said was going to happen is happening. He has been taken to the whole world. And think about this. In 1900, only 1% of the population of South Korea identified themselves as Christian. Now, I'm not going to define for you what that meant. I only want to lay this out in the broad case that 1% said, I am Christian. Today, 29% of that country say they are Christian. Today, more Muslims have come to Christ in the last 25 years than in all Christian history before that. In China, there are more Christians than members of the Communist Party. And soon, there will be more people in China who identify themselves as Christian than any other nation in the world. That's not a mistake. Very soon, in China there will be more people who identify themselves as Christian than in any other nation in the world. Why? Because Jesus isn't finished yet. And in the power of His Spirit, His witnesses are talking Jesus all over the world. But how about your piece of the world? Jesus is risen. Jesus is reigning. And Jesus is returning. And we are His witnesses, those who proclaim this. And it's through our testimony, it's through our mouths and our lives that this witness, this story continues until He comes. Until He comes. And every time we create another ripple, we are in fact turning to Acts 29. It's us because we are the next chapter in this story. And many times when someone calls 911, this is a known fact, anybody who's worked in emergency services, when you call 911, they're unable to communicate their needs. So you pick up the phone and, and you know, 911, may I help you? And they, sometimes they can't even speak. Sometimes they can't communicate what's wrong. Sometimes the, the call is silent. Well, the operator doesn't wait to have all the facts until they send help. When the call is come, the location is, is identified, help is dispatched while they're trying to get the rest of the story, the rest of the information. They don't wait and, and wonder if someone needs help. Rescue is, is immediately en route until and unless it is determined, in fact, that they don't need help. 
And no doubt this morning, you've thought of someone who you especially can talk to about Jesus. And perhaps you're wondering, do they really need Jesus? They've been silent. I can't hear them very clearly. Perhaps, do they need Jesus? Don't wonder. Don't be perplexed. Go. And let the Spirit of Christ use you to create a a, a ripple in their life that just might impact generations to come. Why? How? Because the Spirit of Christ is still writing the story. What's the story look like in your life? What story is Jesus writing in your life? Sometimes sin causes us to want to close the book put it on a shelf, kind of recede into into thoughts of our our past, thoughts of our failures, thoughts of what we could have, should have, would have done. And yet Jesus is calling us forward to the future, to where He already is. A future that's already written. A future of eternity. He's calling us there and He's asking us, who are you bringing with you? Who do you know who needs to know about me, a risen Savior? And this morning, how do you answer that question? How do you answer it? Who in your life has been looking for help? And you know the only person who can help them. You know the only way, the only truth, and the only life that will ever sustain them for eternity. Will you not tell it today? Perhaps this morning you can't tell it because there's sin on your heart that you need to get rid of. It's got you shackled. And God calls you to repent of that. Confess that sin. Ask His forgiveness and receive His healing. It's what the blood of Christ does. Continually cleanses us from our sins. So this morning, as we assemble as family today, We will pray for you, pray with you, and encourage you to live the life that you have been called to live in Jesus Christ. And this morning, as we think about the plans ahead of us this week, I want to compel each of us to encourage each of us and to challenge each of us to look around. Whose pond do you need to drop that stone in this week so that you can begin those ripples? Let me encourage you to do it. Don't do it wondering. Do it with boldness. Do it because we serve a risen Savior who has called us to do it. If we can help you in any way this morning as we sing this good song, will you come as we stand?